0: This is the Black Box. Emergency response executive Ken Jenkins draws from his years of experience in deployment, logistics, planning, and after action analysis to take you inside the black box. Now, here's Ken Jenkins.
1: Welcome to the black box. My name is Ken Jenkins. I'm president and CEO of Ken Jenkins, LLC. And we're here to talk today about the black box with regards to really kind of dissecting the station response in the aftermath of an aircraft disaster. So we're gonna look at the highs and the lows of what happens to a commercial airline response at an airport when a plane crashes on property. Today, my guest, and I'm very thankful to have Mr. Greg Klein. Greg Klein is retired from American Airlines and was the general manager for Little Rock, Arkansas, when American Airlines Flight 1420 crashed on landing on a rainy night, June 1st, 1999. Greg, thanks for being here with me.
0: Glad to be here, Ken.
1: Thank you. And Greg and his team had an outstanding response to uh, the accident and, and rather me just ask a lot of questions, I would like Greg to share with you a little bit of background on what happened June 1st, 1999. If you'll take us back to how you heard of the accident and the initial things you had to do and uh, the response okay
0: well first uh it was uh, right after a holiday and uh, loads were really full we worked a hard day that day and as i uh, left work seven o'clock or so in the evening i uh, wanted to stop and see one of my sons play baseball and as i was sitting there instead of watching the game and concentrating on what they were doing i was more into the storms that were running up from the south and uh, My whole goal was I hope my terminating flights get in there that night because we had a ton of people trying to get out of Little Rock that next morning. Get home uh, on the way home from the ballpark. It was a a horrible storm that kicked up. It was raining in these sheets where at some points I was really thinking I had to pull over. It was raining so hard. Got home, popped open a cold beer and I was going to just relax and I think I fell asleep before I even uh, took a drink. It was a matter of minutes later, my, uh, one of my sons came up and said, Dad, you got to wake up. The airport's on the phone. Uh, the, kids from, or the people that work for you want to talk to you. Um, the girl that was working operations, uh, her first line was, Greg, the, the, the plane landed. We saw him go past the window on the runway, but we can't get him on the radio. My initial thoughts were with, a, with the rain going on that possibly he slid off the runway and may have been stuck in the mud and he was too busy to talk and respond on the radio. I told her I would be there momentarily, ran back to my bedroom and packed a, a suitcase uh, with a few days worth of clothes because I had been involved in a plane that slid off a runway once before in my career and um, as I was heading out the door, um, the phone rang again and it was uh, the girl again that worked in operations and she said you got to get out here quick we uh we smell a uh, electrical fire smell coming from that end of the runway that end of the runway in Little Rock was kind of blocked by trees we couldn't see it from the operation area
1: so well, you didn't even know at this point there had been an accident you just know the nope. plane wasn't at the gate it, it had landed but we had no idea where it was and he
0: wasn't responding to us right okay. so uh, quick drive across the city of Little Rock and uh In the storm and when I approached the entry to the airport the runway that they were on was uh, it was lit up at the very end of the runway a real bright white Um, couldn't see any flames but I could see this bright white light coming out of the area off the end of the runway which is down right on the shoreline of the Arkansas River got to uh, my office and uh, actually drove right up to the uh, jet bridge area And when I went in to talk to the agent, I asked him what happened to the MD-80 because this was around midnight and I was assuming uh, it was an American Eagle flight that was landing that was due in there around 1150. Um, She said that flight had canceled and it was our MD-80 that was over the hill. When I was uh, talking to them back at home, I had asked her if she would pull a name list so I would know who I was dealing with and uh, then she should call our corporate headquarters in soc and and that's what she did so i my first uh, first thing i did when i got in there was i reviewed uh, the name list to see if there was any dignitaries from the city that i might know so i would know if i had to deal with that Um, i had at the time three managers two of them had already shown up and they were at Uh, One was at the scene. One was upstairs dealing with some customers that were in the gate area waiting for the plane to uh, pull up to the gate, Um, and um, she came down moments later, telling me she goes, "There, there." One of them's on a cell phone, and he's saying there was an accident. Ironically, that that was a time of uh, our life where cell phones were just being introduced. I didn't even have one at that time. So
1: one of them on the phone was one of the survivors. A survivor a we survivor. still didn't know that the plane crashed you just knew it was m- missing so to speak i, I think at that time I, I knew it had crashed
0: okay because of the the light i had seen that the magnesium in the tail of that plane was burning okay. um, didn't know how bad it was um, i had a manager that had left right before i got there and he was supposed to be coming back to give me an update to tell me what he was seeing so that i knew what i was dealing with reviewed the list name list Got on the phone with uh, corporate headquarters, uh, SOC. And from that point on, I don't think that phone was ever hung up for a couple weeks. We were, we were in constant communication with them. Uh, providing whatever information they wanted from Did
1: us. Did you set that bridge line up as, uh, or that phone line, like a bridge line? So it was like, on, was it on a speaker phone where you could contact? It was in my
0: office at the time. It's a small operation there. We didn't have a big conference rooms, So sure. it was a, my office. It was a speaker phone. And actually within hours, the airport came in and dropped a few more phones in out of the ceiling for us so that we'd have more communication lines.
1: Okay. So when you were looking at the passenger list and, and the crew list, um, was it a full flight, full. empty
0: flight? The only only open seat was the, the jump seat.
1: So you had 145 passengers 40 140 crew. plus people plus fly, five crew, yes. All right. sir. Okay. Um, as the evening wore on, and so you know uh, the accidents occurred, whatnot. T- tell us what happened as the employees started to come in, what you started to do with those employees.
0: So first I had my employee that was there start calling employees in, um, and my initial reaction was get everybody in. Uh, She had about five or six people en route, and she came in. She was a little upset. One of the employees said that they didn't think they could deal with an accident, and they weren't coming. First, I was a little upset, but then I I don't know why, but I said to her, fine. From this point on, tell her and everybody else you call, I need them here at 430 in the morning, and they're going to have to start working the ticket counter because we have flights that are supposed to leave at 6 o'clock, not even thinking that the airport could be closed.
1: So you're managing the, the the accident response, so to speak, from the airline perspective, but at the same time looking at your morning flights and operation to keep that going? Correct. Right. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk with Greg more in detail about what the response was like from American Airlines at the Little Rock Station.
0: Buckle up. More of The Black Box is next on RNCN. Destination for premium talk radio.
1: You're tuned in to the Black Box with Ken Jenkins on RNCN. So, Greg, your employees are starting to arrive at the station to help with the response. Did you actually send employees to the accident scene? Actually, yeah,
0: I did. And my manager, who was there first, who went to the scene, actually took the four gentlemen that were, uh, men and women that were working on the ramp. They were down there at that point. People that came later, we assigned them to areas like a triage center, uh, a gathering point for the friends and relatives, and uh, just different things that we needed done with customers.
1: So you had folks uh, setting up the friends and relatives center, the FRC as we call it, at the actual crash site. What were your employees doing there?
0: Small airport, minimum number of people at the crash, fire, and rescue facility. And they took my employees, and I actually started giving them assignments because they were waiting on their help. Uh, triage was set up, and they used a system that was green, yellow, and red canvases. And as they f- found survivors, they would bring them to these areas, and they put my employees in the green and yellow area um, and just asked them to talk to them and try to keep them calm until they could get them moved to either the triage site at the ARF, uh, the fire and rescue building, or if they put them on ambulance and took them directly to a hospital.
1: So some of the terms we use are the FRC, Friends and Relatives Center, where friends and relatives go for information. We also have the Passenger Gathering Area or PGA. ARF refers to the Airport Rescue Firefighters that were on scene. Correct. And as we're talking about Airport Rescue and Firefighters and you talk about the triage, how did that impact your employees having to do that work? I'm, I'm assuming that they didn't know that they would ever be called to do that.
0: Tough work and um, we really didn't prepare our employees for that type of work Um, the majority of accidents they don't want the employees around it's the professionals that do that work and i think it's the NTSB that keeps us away from it because it is a a crash site sure Um, and so i I had people who uh, one person never ever came back to work so couldn't deal with it after that Um, another one had a problem going anywhere near a cockpit uh, what she saw there
1: so basically thrown into a situation that unintentionally probably weren't supposed to be thrown thrown into certainly probably not part of the airline emergency response plan but by the uh airport rescue firefighters on scene yep that did that so as the night went on you have this aircraft this is a super 80 aircraft there are 145 souls on board there were nine fatalities at the scene and two f- people that died a few days later as a result of their injuries what was going on in terms of finding out who the survivors were versus the fatalities and, and how did you as a station manager, general manager, work through that?
0: As I sent people to different locations and when my supervisor came back before he returned to the scene, I gave him a handful of my business cards. And I told him, if there's anybody that needs to talk to me, here's a contact for them. Um, an hour or so later, I get a phone call from a lady in a hospital in the Little Rock area And she goes, don't take this wrong, but I'm asking who's going to pay for the work we're going to do here. Should I get insurance from her, or are you guys going to pay for it? Um, Not knowing that correct answer, uh, I guess dancing on my feet, I told her I'd pay for everything as long as she would send me a fax every time she admitted someone so that I knew where they were. That started... um, a night where my fax machine never, never stopped. I had my administrative assistant finally got in. I had her call every hospital that was there and asked them to do the same thing. And they all did. It gave us an ability to uh, create a spreadsheet where we, where we start listing where people went. And then we start communicating to our passenger gather or our customer gathering friends and family gathering area and we would let our manager that was located there know where we would take people and she could actually dispatch them to the hospital that our their loved ones were at
1: so a, a unique situation with the accident one we didn't talk about earlier in this when the plane landed and this was prior to this was 1999 so long before September 11th and, and some of the things that happened as from a security standpoint after September 11th is passengers and family members anybody could go through security and go wait at the gate for the arrival it was before so, it was a sterile area and correct. the family members many of the family members were at the gate and actually saw the plane land is that correct correct so then they're getting phone calls from their loved ones saying you know hey I was just in an accident how did the reunification take place where you're finding survivors after being triaged right. at the scene how do they get Matched so, up with their family.
0: So um, my manager that was in the gate area asked them to go to the designated location. And then she came back and she went to the triage area where I had a, an agent working. Uh, they start providing me with the information to update the sheet. And as the, um, as the triage center determined the people were okay to leave, that we had buses running them to this location where they would be um, reunited with their family and friends.
1: And How long did this process go on for that night? Actually, I went on
0: all night. <laughs> it went on all night. Um, I think that it was somewhere around three or four in the morning when uh, someone on the uh, conference call from our headquarters said, "You know, at some point you're going to have to determine where everybody is." And that's when I advised them, "I have the spreadsheet going." And at the point, I think I knew where there was, I knew where everybody was located at, except maybe fifteen or twenty people.
1: And I remember with, with the exception of those 15 or 20 people, and I think within that small group, that we couldn't find where they were. Right. Um, tell everyone about the one individual that left the scene and where he went and how you found okay, out Okay, just so him. you know
0: that the environment we were in, it, it, the plane dropped off of a, 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 uh, the end of the runway and it dropped probably 30, 30 feet, 30 yards down a hill. And it was on the banks of a, uh, the Arkansas River. This man got out of the plane, one of the, the manager was down there. He said, who should I call about my stuff? And he gave him my business card. He wandered up a hill, walked down the runway, went out a gate that was open where the fire trucks and ambulances were coming in. And he walked up and found a Holiday Inn and got a room and said he was tired and he was going to bed. He called me the next morning. And I w- it was one of the names I was looking for. And he said, hey, this is Joe Blow. And I'm just calling to tell you that uh, I'd like to go home. I'm, I'm tired and I've had a rough trip. I said, where are you right now? He said, I'm over to Holiday Inn. I got a room for myself. He goes, well, you let me fly without shoes because I lost my shoes.
1: So he lost his shoes in the evacuation, but he just <laughs> needed to be in the comfort of a bed, get cleaned up, and get some rest. Exactly. Wow. Amazing story. So for your employees, they're, they're responding. I mean, they're, they're all night with you. Um, what were some of the other activities they did, whether it be at the scene or the pastor gathering area or friends and relatives center during this first 24 hours of the response? Probably the f-
0: Friends and relatives area was the toughest because the the unknown that's going on there. And as we got closer to sunrise, um, there were some tempers that were blowing because they didn't understand the plane's been on the ground four hours, three hours, whatever it was, and we couldn't tell them where their loved one was. Uh, luckily, in the airport plan and in our plan, we called in uh, Red Cross and we also called in different clergy. And there was... I think a priest and a minister that came in and intervened there and uh, suggested to the people that they just be patient, that we were doing the best we could. And uh, it's not as easy as you would think to to identify everybody that was on the plane.
1: Certainly, to corral and collect 145 people and then find out who they are by name and then match them up with their family members. And not all the family members were there, so it's also trying to reach out to those that didn't have someone at the airport, but to let that family know. When we come back, we're going to talk to Greg about what are the needs of the survivors and the family members in the aftermath of American Airlines Flight 1420, Crash in Little Rock, June 1st, 1999. More of the Black Box coming up. source for premium talk radio hang on tight you're listening to the black box on rncm so greg you're talking about uh, taking care of the passengers and their families and triage and, and how your employees were pulled into that. What were some of the immediate needs of the family members outside of knowing, I wanna know if my family member was on the plane, but what were some of their immediate basic needs you guys took care of, not only for the families, but for the survivors that were being triaged and ready to be released?
0: Oh, number one, they, they wanted to know if they survived. Uh, they wanted to know where they were. Uh, and so as we got information on, we, the, the, the passenger was either brought to the uh, gathering area and so they knew where they were and they had an idea of the condition then or if they went to a hospital we were saying they're at this specific hospital and you're on your you can go there now to see them um, that was probably the the two things they really wanted to know condition and where they are
1: one of the things that you had mentioned earlier was that there there wasn't a lot of manpower and one from the airport one it was a very small fire department of course the accidents at midnight you had limited manpower did right. that i'm assuming how far how much did that delay information getting to the people that needed it whether it was you and your airport employees and and station employees to respond to get that information to families and did that impact uh, the families in any way
0: i think that it like i said earlier it, it took all night to get information as people would be triaged and be released or sent to a hospital the data would come to us and we would slowly get into a spreadsheet so we know where they were. And we would share that with the uh, gathering point as we got it.
1: You had mentioned to me uh, in a conversation previously that someone had said to you about, um, and I don't remember exactly the word, so I, I don't want to prompt you and say this is what it was, but hopefully you'll re- recall this, that the crash, had. there were 145 people impacted, but there are other things that happen and impacts other people. So you have the station, and you're responding to the emergency, but you also have inbound and outbound flights coming right. up in a few hours. So how did you manage those two activities?
0: So, so at one point on the conference call with our uh, headquarter uh, group, uh, somebody advised me that they were gonna cancel my flights the next morning. And uh, my immediate, being an operation guy, my immediate reaction was, I don't want anything canceled. It's easier to work an operation than to deal with a cancellation and uh bob baker was a senior vp at that time he he called me on the phone and said everything will operate to you um don't worry about it we'll we'll have planes coming to you you'll have your whole schedule so that made it easier on our employees to be able to deal with that we had a system in our um, in our procedure manual where we had close by cities we called them sister cities and memphis was my closest city The general manager and four of his managers showed up probably about three or four in the morning. I immediately put three of them in charge to run the operation because I didn't think I would be available to do that. Uh, The general manager kind of sat and helped on the phone call with corporate headquarters where we we would respond to questions they had. And I put their fifth person in,
1: in with my administrative assistant to help her with administrative work. So for the passengers that are coming for their departing flights, what what was their demeanor like? Knowing that an accident had taken place, were, were they sympathetic and compassionate, or were they, hey, I have a flight to catch, and you know it's business as usual for me. Sorry about what happened, but I have things to do now.
0: I think I think they're they're definitely sympathetic, but they're they have things to do. They have to be in L.A. for a meeting or New York for a meeting, and me on my plane i gotta get going so luckily they had dual runways and one side was open and we ran an operation that day while we also dealt with a crisis
1: all right so what a dichotomy you have your employees that are trying to still work with the response at the same time maintaining the operation what i mean that had to have been a difficult balance
0: yeah the, the guys who were running the ticket counter told me that people were having a hard time dealing with this so i quick got on the phone and we had uh, a group of people sent in from Dallas and from San Antonio, I think it was. They sent sent employees in who actually ran our counter for a week or two. Wow, I could have some people sit and talk to my employees and get them back into the game.
1: So one of the challenges outside of the emergency itself, because that's a challenge I, I know in and of itself, is Little Rock is a small station, and when we say small, you had a, a, a pretty healthy number of flights, but what I mean, you have a lot of regular passengers that come through. So your folks, and including you. You know these people. We so, do. did that add a personal element that maybe you guys hadn't anticipated before? It,
0: it does. I think we were a, a week into it, and one of my supervisors said, You know, I quit wearing American Airlines t shirts or sweatshirts because I'm embarrassed. I'm afraid I'll know somebody who mm-hmm. was involved in the accident, and I don't want to deal with it right now.
1: So, I mean, that that would have to be challenging because I know being in the airline industry and we're a small family, we take great pride in the carrier that we work for and mm-hmm. then not to be able to wear something like that is, is a challenge for us. What would you want to share with folks that are listening today that might be a station manager at an airport, um, uh, an airline employee that's tasked with responding to an emergency, some things that you learned that you didn't necessarily have in the manual, but you want to share that knowledge with people today? I think. I
0: think it can be in any industry, any walk of life. You know, you have to be prepared. Preparation is key for uh, any crazy thing that could go on in your life. And the more that you prepare, the better you're going to react when that emergency hits you. Um, you know, I, I think that in a, in a if you're managing people and there is a crisis like we were involved in, besides preparation, I think that leadership is is essential. Um, you have to be an effective. Leader, and you have to work with your people because you can't do it by yourself. You need them there to be
1: part of your team. You had shared with me in that vein and talking about leadership about um, climbing over the hill. Would you share with everyone that story? I, I
0: after the accident, I used to I used to tell people I try to treat my employees so that they will go over the hill with me. And they would look at me like I was a little strange. But the night of our accident, one of the gentlemen that was working the ramp was an old-timer retiree from the military, and he told me he knew what he was getting into, and he went over there because he knew I was going to need his help. And I always treated, tried to treat all my employees as fairly as I could. Um, he had told me at one time afterwards that the previous general manager always said that we worked for you, for her. And he said, we always felt like you you thought we worked with you. And so he said, I don't know that I would have gone over the hill for her, but I would go for you in a second. So that, that gave me that line, I'll do it. Uh, I'll treat people so that they'll go over the hill with me.
1: Great. Greg, thank you very much for taking the time to, to share your experiences with us. And it reminds me at, at, the, at the conclusion of this, one of the, my favorite sayings is to humanize your command and control. Remember that when you're exercising leadership in emergency, that the employees and volunteers that are responding for you are doing it from their heart and with compassion, and they should be treated as such during the deployment. Thank you again, Greg, for being here and for all of your efforts during Flight 1420.
0: You're welcome, Ken.
1: On the black box with Ken Jenkins, visit us online at kenjenkinsllc.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter.